Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. You know, the, the series, we're landing this today. We've been talking about the complexity of relationships and uh, and it's, uh, you know, it, it is, there's an assembly, there's troubleshooting, there's uh, instruction manuals, and we all understand that when it comes to you buy a product and it looks so good on the box, but when you open it up, it doesn't look the same on the inside. Uh, I, I had that happen. I mean, sometimes it's like, you know, building things for your kids. Other times it's furniture from Ikea. Uh, for me, it's electronics. I love electronics. So I saw something at Best Buy and I thought, I need that. And it, it was a, a Philips Hue light strip. And I said, you know, I, I need this to go like, under, man, underneath the, the kitchen and the, the butler's pantry, underneath the cabinet to light it. That would be amazing. And that's what it looked like. And, it, and the great thing is it's not just... Uh, just like a white light, it's it's multicolored. I'm like, right? And then I'm thinking, what am I going to use that for? I have no idea, but I probably need it. And, and so, one, but here's the thing. Once I took it out and I opened the box, I got the instructions out. And I took a picture. Uh, this These were the instructions. No, no words. No words, just pictures. <laughs> and I'm looking, and there's another page of instructions, and I'm I'm looking at that. I'm going, how how could I go wrong with such clear instructions? And it didn't take long before I realized I don't know what they're talking about. So I'm gonna go to the troubleshooting section. And you know, and then I looked, they didn't have a troubleshooting section. They just had a number. And we all know what happens. You call that number and it connects you with somebody on the other side of the world who's in a call center with a hundred other people. <laughs> and, and then they always start with a, a statement that's something, you know, something like this. They say, I, I understand how frustrating it is for, for you to be having problem with your Philips Hue light strip. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, you know, and I'm thinking, I don't even know you. And, you know, so I don't need like fake empathy from somebody on the other side of the room. No, I'm looking for real answers to real problems. I've got to figure this thing out because it doesn't make sense. And, you know, and just so you understand, I mean, I, I made it through because the truth is, who needs instructions? Uh, at the end of the day, it, it, after about, I don't know, 12, 15 hours, uh, that, that's what they look like. So it, it, it worked. It was good. And anybody else needs help installing, call the 1-800 number. Um, it, it's, the, 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 anyhow. But, you know, here's the thing about a troubleshooting guide, though. Troubleshooting guides are there when you need to fix something that didn't work. And, and, that's, and it takes a totally different skill set to fix something than it does to build something. And yet, relationships are the same way. 
they're easier to get into. They're easier to begin and to build than they are to fix when something goes wrong. And something will go wrong. So you need, we need this new skill set. And uh, because when, when our relationships are broken, uh, I mean, our clo- think about the closest relationships of our lives. When they get turned sideways, when we're at odds with somebody, it impacts all of our life. It kind of permeates because relationships are the ball game. And as a matter of fact, the, the statement I'll start you with is that the, the quality of our lives is only as good as the quality of our relationships. In other words, if your relationships stink, your life stinks. It, we're, we, you know, we're only as happy as our core close relationships are healthy. So how do we fix them? And I, I want to close this series, Camping Out in Romans chapter 12. Uh, uh, Paul wrote Romans 12 and uh, gave us a bit of a troubleshooting section when it comes to relationships. And it's interesting because the book of Romans is like one of the most theological and doctrinal books in the New Testament. The first 11 chapters is heavy theology and doctrine. But in verse 12, Paul shifts and goes intensely practical. And he begins in, in talking about relationships. And so, uh, the, you know, one of the things he says toward the end of that uh, chapter is, and I think probably because whenever we have a really bad conflict in a relationship, a lot of times we just walk away from the relationship because it's going to be too hard and it's going to take too much and I don't want to invest that much. And, and so we walk away. And we just let the chips fall. But Paul gives us this advice. Uh, if you're jotting down notes, these, these notes will be in your, the Bible app. You can open up there. Uh, but it's simply this. Live at peace with everyone. That's all. That's so easy. Right? I mean, we could probably just pray and go home. It's like, that's it. Just take that one. You know, it, but, but it, it, when you hear this, you've got to go, well, that sounds like something to be in the Bible. You know, some high lofty goal that, I mean, no one was ever able to achieve. And how do you, how do, you do that? Because he, he said it in uh, Romans 12, 18. He said, live at peace with everyone. And, you know, that, that's that, you know, this, you think, man, Paul, did, did you ever, do you have a clue? There's no way you can live at peace with everyone. You're thinking, Paul, hey, you, do you know anything about conflict? And that's the real power of this statement because of who wrote it. Paul, I mean, Paul was persecuting Christians. He even had them put to death. And then he met Jesus. And so now he's a follower of Christ. And, and he's got, he turned his back on his uh, his Jewish faith to follow Jesus. He's like, you know, he's got broken relationships on both sides. And so he's the guy who's saying, hey, live at peace with everyone. And what I love, though, is that Paul gives us some qualifiers for it. And I'm really thankful for these because he said the front end of that verse, he says, if it is possible, which means that it might not be possible. Which means that there are some people that you, you're not going to have peace with them. It, it's just, it's not because 
that, you know, really it requires two people to reconcile a relationship. And some people, it, you know, I mean, we all have names and faces right now that there, there's no way that, you know, you're going to have peace with them. You, you can't, but you can do the right thing for your part of it. And see, that's what Paul says. He says, if it's possible, it might not be. But here's the deal. Here's the next qualifier. And this is like the, this is the real kicker. This is where it gets intensely personal for all of us. He said, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, your part in the conflict, you do your part. You do the best that you can. You don't go, ah, forget that and walk away. No, that's not what you do. I mean, you, I mean, we follow a Savior who said, turn the other cheek. We follow a Savior who said, go the extra mile. We, we follow a Savior who said, forgive. How many times? Seven times? No, seven times 70. No, we, we follow Jesus. And it's like, so as far as it depends on me, I'm going to do my best. To, you know, what, what Paul was saying is you're responsible to other people. And that's the, as far as it depends on you, I, I'm going to try to live at peace with all people. But, but you're not responsible for other people. That's why he said, if it's possible, you can't control them. And, you know, and here's the thing. You can have a peace about a relationship without having peace in a relationship. That uh, this is like, you can live with no regrets about a relationship. You, that because you did everything you could as far as it depended on you, you didn't build a wall, you built a bridge, you left the door open so that one day, maybe that person might be able to walk back across it or through that door, maybe. You, you have no regrets. So you can, you can have peace about that relationship, even though there's not peace in it. And so, uh, and you know, he goes on though in, in the 12th chapter and, uh, and I think I had something recently. I, I, I started playing golf again a little bit and uh, I got a club that I've never had before. It's, it's called a rescue club. It was, uh, and if you're not a golfer, a rescue club is basically used, it's also called a hybrid, and it's used when you're, you're in a bad situation on the course, or you have a bad lie, or you're in deep weeds, and, uh, and it's more forgiving than the other clubs. And for me, I, I often get in the wrong places on golf courses, and I need a forgiving club the way I play. And so this is like, I'm like, this is my dream club. And, and so I took it out on the driving range for the first time recently. And I, I'd never hit one before. So I took a swing with it. And the first swing, it just shot off to the right. Actually, almost took out the person on the driving range next to me. It was that bad. And, and I was like, oh, man, that, that, what happened? That didn't feel right. And then I looked down at the club. And this is the club with the big scratch on the toe. Brand new, bright, shiny club head scratch, right? There. My first shot. 
And I thought, okay, I've got to straighten this out. And so I hit it again, and that's what the bald dimple mark is next to it. I hit it right next to it. And so I can buff this thing as best. I've tried to clean this thing. Here's the deal. Every time I grab that club and I look down at that club, I'm going to see those marks. And, and, you know, it's, and, and, you know, here's what I realized. That rescue club, it's not going to rescue anything. I can't, I mean, I, but here's why. I hit it wrong. That, that's why. It was, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, I hit it wrong. And, you know, when you have a conflict with somebody, oftentimes we hit conflict wrong. We, we hit the person instead of the problem. We, we miss hit. We don't handle it well. And you know what? That's always going to leave a mark in a relationship. And, uh, and, and so the, the takeaway that Paul gets into is we, when we have conflict, we have to attack the problem, not the person. And oftentimes we totally miss hit this and we, we go right after the person and we make it personal. And, you know, and we miss the problem. You see, we need to focus on their behavior, not their identity. Focus on what they did, not who they are. You know, okay, I might be in a different camp than a lot of you. Maybe you're more spiritual than I am. But I'm like when conflict, when you get into it with somebody and, and tempers, I mean, it's starting to get louder and you're, you're and you're, you're trying to convince them why you're right and they're wrong. And then, and, and just, it gets, you know, all of a sudden it's like somebody looks at the other one and says, you know what? I can't believe you. You're just so stupid. Right? Now, I've never said that, but, um, but uh, I would encourage you never to say that to your spouse. Uh, and I haven't, but, but here's the thing. You know what you do? And some of you are looking at me, come on, you've, You've done it. You've said, you've called them names. You've said, and when you do that, you think about, what are they supposed to do with that? There's, there's no conflict resolution now. Now you just made it personal. And it's not. You attack the person, not the problem. It's like, we got to choose to have a conversation with someone, not a confrontation. And, and it's that, you know, in Romans 12, Paul's writing to a a group of Christians in a church that are having conflict. And it's interesting because he's writing, and up to this point, he had, best we know, he had never been to Rome, and he didn't, he'd never met these people, but he heard about them. So he's given them, given them some course corrections. It's like, okay, this is what you need to do. And in verse 9 and 10, he says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. You know, don't, don't fake it. Don't be that guy who smiles and hugs people, and then when you walk away, you talk about those people you just hugged and said you loved. Don't, don't put on a fake smile. Don't really love them. In other words, when you see those people, you say, God, help me to see them the way you see them. Help me to feel about them the way you feel about them. Help me to really love them because God is love, because God's love is perfect. Help me to really love them. Help me to love them like family. And, and then he, uh, 
he goes on and said, uh, hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Hate, you have to relocate hate in your relationships. It's like um, we recently, we had our garage floor painted and uh, I thought it was a great idea until I realized that I had to take everything out of the garage so that they could paint the garage floor. And, and if your garage was like mine, everything was in the garage. And so we rented one of those pods. You know, I think a picture of like a, that pod you could put on your driveway. And, and we moved everything. We, I moved everything out of the garage into the pod. And got it all in there. And when I, when I came back and looked, I thought, man, this garage looks amazing because it's empty. And, and then the, the floor was painted and everything was, and I was like, oh, man, this looks so good. You know what I did? It looked so good. I made a decision. I had relocated everything out of the garage into the pod. And when I saw how good the garage looked without that stuff, I relocated everything from the pod to the dump. I just took it. I thought, I don't need that junk, man. It, I mean, I want to step into my garage and feel good about my garage. And, and you know, you and I, in our relationships, you got to relocate hate. You got to get it out of the house. You, you got to, you know, and I mean, it's okay to hate. You're going to hate sometimes. But you can hate something without hating someone. You... You know, you could look and say, if you got conflict, you say, you know what? I hate what happened. But, but I don't hate you. I, you know, you say, I, I, I hate what happened to us. I hate what we have lost. But I don't hate you. I hate, I hate the consequences of all the fallout of what's happening to us in our, our relationship and the close relationships around. I hate that, but I don't hate you. What if you decided that you were going to hate a what, not a who? That's when Paul would say, you're, you're beginning to move toward healthier relationships. You're, you're, because then you're removing obstacles. And, you know, he said you, you've got to hate what's wrong. And you know what happens when you hate what's wrong and you move that hate out? You, you can see clearly what's right. And that's what he says. Then you cling to what is right, what is good. Because there's good, but you can't see the good because you have so much hate. And so you, you've got to... Make the transfer. And, and then he says, once you've done that, he goes on and says, now love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I mean, really love, right? Really genuine love. God's love that you would have. And, and he says, and you do that by honoring them. You know what honor is? Honor is when you defer to somebody else. Honor is when you look at them and say, you first. I'm going to set my ego, my pride, my agenda aside. You first. Your issue first. Your feelings first. I, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to choose to honor you. And, I mean, and, you know, and when you do that, that means you 
you don't spend your time in that relationship trying to prove to them that you're right and they're wrong. You, you don't try to convince them, right? Isn't that what we do in, in most arguments? You know, how many times have we stopped and thought, you know what, if I could just have 10 minutes that they would just listen to me, I can convince them how right I am and how wrong they are and we'll be fine. We, we always feel that way. We always think it's all about, I just got to convince them. But you know what? That never works. It, because they, they don't want you to convince them. They want you to understand them. So stop trying to convince people how right you are. And try to understand why they feel the way they do. You know, it's a, those conversations need to be like, hey, help me understand. I really want to understand where you're coming from. And, you know, that, that's that. And, and because if you don't, there's going to be a wrong in a relationship. You know, we, the other thing we do, the other problem we have is that we, we want to get even with people when they hurt us. <laughs> Right? When somebody hurts you, you want to hurt them back. Or when somebody hurts you, you want them to pay the price. And you want to make sure that you're around to watch them pay the price. And so you, and what Paul would say then is a solution, a third solution is like choose reconciliation over retaliation. Retaliation is about my rights. I, I you know, I, I, I want to be right and, I, and reconcile. That's about your relationships. So don't retaliate. I mean, that's our natural response, isn't it? But, but Paul says, and, and read through Romans 12. He covers this, and not only him, but most of the New Testament writers deal with this very same thing. And Paul said in verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Don't retaliate. Retaliation is not your job. That's what God does. That's not what you do. It, you think it'll make you feel better, but it won't. And he says, don't retaliate. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. It's interesting because he says, so that everyone can see. He didn't say so that that person can see that you're honorable. No, no. He said, the watching world. See, think about it. They were in Rome, Nero's Rome, persecution I mean, Christians were, were about to be attacked and scattered. And, and he said, listen, you've got the people that are watching you, let them see you as honorable. I mean, that's, that's what, you know, he said, you, you've got to be more interested in reconciliation than in being right. And the problem is most of us, we'd rather be right than reconcile. And so it's like that, you know, you, you've got to decide, okay, how, how am I going to reconcile this relationship? And, and let me help you with something, too, because a lot of people think that reconciliation and resolution are the same thing, and they're not. Uh, they're, they're two totally different things. See, reconciliation is, means you're going to reestablish a relationship. Resolution means you're going to resolve every issue. And you're not. You can have reconciliation without resolution. I mean, you're, you, you can disagree with someone without being disagreeable. You, you, can, you can walk side by side with someone without seeing eye to eye with them. It's, 
reconciliation and resolution are two totally different things. And so the, it, when you focus on the relationship, oftentimes the, what needs to be resolved becomes irrelevant over time. And, be, and, it, and you realize it's certainly not worth ruining the relationship over. So, you know, and we, man, we talk about reconciliation in our society a lot. Because I don't know that our society has ever been as divided as it is. I mean, man, yeah, I can't even stand to read the media and uh, go online because it's, it, there are so many different sides and people are so uh, argumentative and, I mean, the, the, the venom that comes out. It's like, and you know, we talk about, you know, there, there's, you know, we got to reach across the aisles and, you know, we got to bridge the divides and, and we talk about that. But, you know, the division in our nation is palpable. But you know that reconciliation was biblical long before it was political. I mean, it's always been God's story that. You know, reconciliation, because you think about why is it so important to God? Why is it from cover to cover through the Old Testament and the New Testament? Why is reconciliation a theme? Because reconciliation is the gospel. Because reconciliation is why Jesus came. He came to reconcile us with his heavenly father. That's, that's why he came. Jesus was God's step, his first step toward us in reconciliation. And it says that Paul wrote it in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, reconciling us to him, no longer counting people's sins against them. He said, you know, he sent Jesus so that our sins couldn't be counted against us anymore. You know, because God knew what we know now, that if, if I'm really going to reconcile with someone, at some point along the way, I have to quit counting their sin against them. What they did to me, what they said, I have to take whatever it was, and I have to get it out of the equation or we're never going to reconcile. And, you know, there, there's something. I mean, think about a relationship that was so broken. And there was reconciliation in your world that you, you were a part of. There's something so powerful about somebody taking the first step. I mean, I've, I've got a visual in my mind that I... It, those that, if you've heard me talk about my family growing up, uh, my mom's side of the family, they were always at war with each other. There was always division and fights and sides, and some didn't speak to others for years. And I remember as a young boy, my mom took us to my aunt's house. Uh, she lived in Titusville at the time. And she took us there to see my aunt and uncle and my grandparents who were down from New York, but my mom hadn't spoken to her in years. And 
her plan was she's driving in and she's going to drop us off and then she's going to leave and then she'll come back in a couple hours and get us. And I remember sitting in the back of the car and she pulls into the driveway and I still see that house and and she looked at us and said, okay, y'all go ahead inside. And then I looked and the front door opened and my uncle was standing in the front door and he walked out the door toward our car. And I could still feel it in my, in my soul right now, that moment, because I was sitting there going, what's about to happen? And, and he walked up to her car, our, her door and said, Pat, come on in. We love you and we miss you. Your mom and dad are in there. Come on in. And I remember as a kid thinking, what's she going to say? Because I heard my mom say a lot of things. And I had no idea where this one was going. Because he took a big risk. Years, the divide was, for years. But he took the first step. And I watched her turn the car off and get out of that car and we all walked inside. It was because he took the first step. It always takes someone taking the first step. And here's the thing. Jesus took the first step. He came from heaven to earth. He died on a cross to pay for our sins so that they wouldn't be counted against us, so that we would be reconciled with this heavenly Father, so that we would have a relationship, not just reconciled, but restored. Paul, Paul went on in verse 17 and said that if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. All, all things have become new. The old is gone. The new has come. He said, it's yours. He said, but what are you going to do with it? He didn't know how you would respond. He didn't know how some of you would respond today. But Scripture says while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. He took the first step. And for some of you, you've struggled with reconciling relationships, and you have so many scattered and broken relationships because you've never reconciled the relationship yet. You've never said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to take what you did on the cross. I'm going to apply it to my life. I want a relationship with my heavenly father. You, that's where it all starts. And you can begin that relationship right now today, right where you're sitting. Let's go to the father in prayer. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, if you're here and you say, I want to begin that relationship with Jesus, tell him that. You can pray this prayer, not out loud, but between you and God. And you can say, dear father, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for taking the first step. Jesus, thank you for giving your life on a cross to pay for my sin, to settle the score, to give me forgiveness, and to give me a relationship with my Heavenly Father. 
And today, Jesus, I choose to follow you and I ask you to be the leader, the savior of my life, the forgiver of my sin. Teach me now how to walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.